0: Welcome to the Westminster Effects doxology podcast where we explore popular practices, songs and ideas in the modern church world in the light of sola scriptura and tota scriptura. I'm Cody Fields, president of Westminster Effects. Buy stuff for your guitar, westminstereffects.com You can join in the discussion The Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook You can support the show at anchor.fm Make sure you subscribe and comment And share on Facebook and Instagram And I'm going to do something fun This month, I'm going to give away a pedal And every time you share The show on Facebook, you are entered To win a pedal, I haven't figured out Which one it is, but we'll do that soon Um... That's all for the for my preliminaries. In person I'm joined by. Hey everybody,
1: it's Bradley Cox. Recently over the Rona. Recently back from Disney World, pastor at Res Church, Greer, South Carolina. So, so many things. How, how was that? Yeah, it was great. That was That's the most interesting introduction, <laughs> right?
2: Like, like a year ago, you had like your superlatives were were. I mean, there it was pretty weak. Your superlative <laughs> game was pretty weak about a year ago, and now you just got you just got a list of things to, I, to, I want to be to like go. you when I grow up, John. Well, we can't all be an admiral. In the yeah, stuff that's so so. the so
0: and, and, and you hear our third man via
2: the interwebs well our third our third man every now and then i've been i've been pretty 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 busy lately but hey everybody john ross here uh Augsbury and christian westminster effects artist from lincoln nebraska uh and happy, to be, happy to be back and admiral yes uh yeah in the great navy of the state of in nebraska in the great navy of the state of nebraska <laughs> you got to you got to get all of the superlative in there. yeah <laughs> don't be like don't be like bradley a year ago yeah that's right <coughs> i right. really need to i really need to work on like my uh, my british like high like upper british accent you know like uh, <laughs> yeah but, yes. but you're not going you're not going to put us through that right now <laughs> no 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 we're not
0: we're not going to learn we're not going to learn that on air you know okay okay I mean, but if you want to do a special, we can't.
2: <laughs> just just three hours of me learning how to talk Cockney. You, three hours, yeah. three hours of you trying
0: to impersonate Monty
2: Python movies. Raw, mate. <laughs> you know, whatever.
0: Let's go. What, what, what do we got? Uh, we've got huge tracks of land. <laughs> um, <laughs> Don't get it started. It'll get rolling. Yep. You'll you we'll quote me in dollar back. Movie. Oh, man. <laughs> so, in the Inquisition this week, we had a question from Matt Paragoy that I thought was really interesting, and that Bradley actually looked at. Uh, I was going to surprise him with the question and get his reaction in real time, but. No dice. So that's
1: what happens when it snows in the South. I get bored and <laughs> I get on Facebook
0: <laughs> and, I'm bored, and I happen to read the Inquisition question. Yes. So he says, this one's for Bradley and he already read it. If a member of your church owned a limo service and offered to bless the church, mainly you as the lead pastor with limo transportation as part of their ministry or service to the church, would you be comfortable accepting that? This would involve transporting the pastor to services, picking up and dropping off guest speakers, visiting the church, driving the pastor between campuses. If applicable and for any church related slash ministry related travel, the pastor is doing. Would you, he says, graciously, I guess, or not graciously, accept uh, or consider this paying special favor, according to James, two. And he says, full disclosure. I attend a large church where this happens. I struggled with it at first as it gives the quote-unquote appearance of celebrity if people don't know that it is a donated service being offered by a member. I don't see it as showing any special favor as there's no quid pro quo other than maybe the tax write-off for the business if that's happening. And the poor are not treated with any kind of disregard which I believe is what James 2 is addressing favoring rich members over poor members because of their wealth. Just curious about a pastor's take on it and as bonus you get two other schlubs who belong as members to their respective churches as well indeed
2: (laughs) my so my uh, I'm gonna let Bradley take it but I want to get definitions settled here so limo service could also just be a hired like a black car service right like right. Uh, yeah. like so not necessarily like a stretch hummer right that yeah. might that that <laughs> with, might with be a hot
1: tub in the middle right
2: right the, mo- the, back. the, the, whole the mobile mo- back is just the up. mobile baptistry <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly you know for for you guys that'll just baptize anybody man that'll be uh, that'd be
0: uh, you know i think
2: <laughs> i handy. think we just that was below the, the belt john <laughs> <laughs> below the justify this
0: if the hot tub is being used for baptisms. Right. There, there, so, <laughs> th- Listen, we got...
1: I, I don't know if I should say this on air, but it, there was a, <laughs> it was a member form that got submitted here. Oh, dear. <laughs> I won't say when it was submitted, but... <laughs> You know, one of the questions is, have you been b- baptized? And the guy wrote, I, he meant to put, I was baptized in a hot tub, but it, instead he put, I was baptized in a hot tube, T-U-B-E. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that was.
2: Uh. <laughs> Co- Cody's grinning on the side of like that. That was me. Just, yeah. uh, that was, that was, yeah. <laughs> but no, like, so, so like for definitions for the question, like. I'm gonna. I, I think it's. I think you know. It's fair that we put the best possible light on this. And in in that case, instead of like a stretch, whatever, let's assume that it's a. It could be uh, a black SUV. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Let's just say it's it's like a black Ford Expedition, mm-hmm. or something along those lines. Like not not even like something as like blingy as an Escalade, right? Right. Right. Just just a, a nice just a nice kind of low key. Well kept vehicle. I think I think that's the best way to frame our perspective on that.
0: And and I think we're also just going to go ahead and assume a a non hard Sabbatarian position here of of working right. on Sunday because this guy has to hire a guy. So w- we get it for all of the uh, all of the people who are confessionally Sabbatarian. Like cool, like not going to hold that against you, uh, but just for the sake of the discussion. We're just going to go ahead and lay that aside for the moment
2: right? yeah and as- assuming that there's no qualms about an individual working on sunday he is right assumably they would have been working otherwise these are just guaranteed hours yeah. for this individual right yeah. best spin possible all right bradley go <laughs> well, <laughs> before, before i comment on it I, I'll,
1: I'll tell this story i told cody there's a f- funny story that comes to mind a, a real story when i read this question uh, you know, I've, I've made no secret of the fact that I, uh, you know, come from a Pentecostal charismatic background where there tend to be, shall we say, more theatrics um, than, <laughs> than less. And, and generally because it's a, a, an effort to compensate for a lack of real spiritual power and theological depth in, in general. Shots uh, fired. But uh, there was this guy that was invited to speak. At the college that I went to, yeah, uh, which was a Pentecostal charismatic school, and this dude, he brought his whole choir. Okay, who the choir showed up in a charter bus, but he and his entourage showed up in a stretch limo, <clears throat> and when he, when they arrived, they he had bodyguards standing around the limo. Oh, until no. he was ready to get out like no like some of the you know college staff had gone up and said you know can we do anything is what well? and, and he's like no he's not ready to come out yet so then he comes out in this outfit that i don't even know how to begin to describe to you what it looked like it you know was it some quasi anglican slash like
0: it it was oh, just
1: no. it looked like a clown suit and <laughs>
0: <wow>. <laughs> not <laughs> to you anglicans he's Bradley's not calling you clowns. No, not at
1: all. But this guy was a clown. And he comes out and he it's the beginning of the service. He comes out on stage in that outfit and greets the people. And then he goes backstage. He's ushered backstage again. And he comes out in a different outfit and has this dude walking around behind him. Like this is not this is he's nowhere near Catholic, but he's got a guy walking behind him with a cross, a staff and a cross on it, and just following him while he teaches. Uh and then he gets back in his stretch limo as soon as he's done and and they don't even do that right. The
2: cross goes before for Pete's sake. (laughs) That's exactly right. (laughs) For someone who who was the uh, I I, you know, the, I don't know using baseball terminology here, but the designated crucifer for all processions during my college days, uh, for Pete's sake, get it right, folks.
1: Seriously, I just I you know for me this question hits an emotional um hits it, an emotional part of me because I just saw so much abuse yeah. of you know, in, in in the world that I grew up in, and this might be true of other denominations and uh, you know whatever, but there was just there was so much infatuation with the the celebrity pastor culture, right? Uh, so much infatuation. Also, it's this weird mixture of the celebrity pastor culture, which is, I think, driven more by this Hollywood picture that people yep. have, and then there's also a fascination with the business world. Mm-hmm. uh that you know CEOs and very successful people and all the trappings that go along with that um there was there were people with churches that had 50 people that I saw trying to act this way having a driver pick them up and bring them to church and mm-hmm. and so it hits this emotional bone for me that you know I just go uh, why but at the same time I realize here here's somebody in the church That has a, again, as John would say, giving the best possible spin on this. Right. Somebody in the church who desires to be generous with what the Lord has entrusted to them, which is a business, right? A legitimate business where people are transported with these vehicles. And he's desiring to be generous to the church. That's a good thing. Right. At the same time, with a church, depending, you know, he he, I think he describes it as very large, possibly yes. multiple campuses. Mm-hmm. There might be, like, I would much rather a pastor of a church with multiple campuses, I'm not saying this is what's happening, but have someone who offers to drive him, namely a guy who owns a limo service from campus to campus on Sunday, rather than just piping in a video feed. Yeah. Like if you're going to yeah. be the lone teacher, I'd much rather that happen. So there it, in my mind there are scenarios where there could be legitimate useful um you know w- ways in which this could be useful to a church and not promoting a celebrity pastor culture.
2: Right. I I think the thing that makes it difficult is is you know none of us are are strangers for for trade you know to the concept of tradesmen uh, donating their their efforts to the church you know, electricians plumbers you know so on and so forth i mean that's that's fairly common uh but those don't always have that that external visibility right right like like everywhere has a toilet a toilet's a toilet it's hooked up with a pipe you know like it's it's not a symbol of opulence, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose it could be if it's like one of those fancy Japanese toilets, but I think that's a bit out of, <laughs> out, of out of scope. Um, if only, I, yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, I honestly, I think if it's, if it's accepted by leadership in humility, and I mean, well, you know, I don't know. I, for, from my perspective, I have a hard time when people help me. Like when we were getting our house ready to get on the market, like our realtor and one of her realtor partners came over and helped, like there wasn't a ton to do, but they did tons of stuff. Like they staged it. They, uh, they helped us, you know, patch some places and, uh, and I mean, just I'm, and and just way above and beyond what I think a normal realtor would do. Um, Even in my current career where, where I'm, arguably exposed more to the real estate side of things than than others uh but i'm i'm very uncomfortable with the idea of someone else serving uh serving me or 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 helping me and so i it's it's hard for me to get a grasp on on that concept and see myself being perfectly okay with it every sunday and i and i don't i i think that might be okay i i don't know if i'd want to be okay with it every sunday I don't know if well, I'd want to get into a position of comfort and yeah. complacency with it.
1: I, I, you know, part of the question is, would Bradley accept it? And I, I've thought about that since I read the question. Um, I've thought about it, it. How different is it than, I mean, I've had people with HVAC businesses, plumbing mm-hmm. businesses, concrete businesses, all come and do things for me, their mm-hmm. pastor, For free, Mm -hmm. even though I tried to pay them, they they've done things for me as a, as a way to express appreciation and gratitude, you know, and Mary and I've talked about this. I'm like, John, it's hard for me to accept that kind of help. Um, And I think there's a fine line between it being my pride that doesn't want to accept it. And it being like, no, this is just too much Mm -hmm. because I, but I do think there's a, there is something good about about letting people be generous about giving the, if they, if they just express a desire to be generous, there's something good about accepting that. Mm -hmm. I I think it in the, in the appropriate context. And so would I accept it? Well, at res, I, d- I really don't know because I honestly, I don't have a, a huge church that I lead and we don't have multiple campuses. I don't need somebody to drive me to church on Sunday morning. Um, you know, if I got uh, occasionally I get invited to speak other places. And if I needed to, to drive a couple of hours and back in one day and, and this guy offered to have a driver do that for me, I might would accept it in that context, mm-hmm. but I don't, I don't, I don't need
0: that. Or if, uh, <clears throat> for example, and God forbid, your legs decide to imitate my legs, <laughs> right? If and I, you yeah. and you get injured. And uh, how how early do you get here on Sunday mornings? It's pretty five thirty. Five thirty. So that would be a burden on your wife to drive you, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so so that might make a ton of sense mm-hmm. for someone else to drive you uh, out of generosity.
1: My understanding, and I could be wrong, but i it seems like I do remember reading this, that John Piper had someone who picked him up on Sunday mornings Mm -hmm. and drove him to the church. Um, And I'm not sure why that was the case, why he accepted that kind of help, but apparently he did. Um, And I would assume because John Piper has made no bones about the fact that he capped his salary uh, even you know, had to had to fuss at his, you know, financial decision makers for being unwilling to pay other people on staff who were down the line more than they paid him. Right. Because they were worth it. You know, he's like, why do I have to be the one making the most money? I don't need it. I have mm. what I need. And so I admire that about John Piper. And so I would assume that if Piper had somebody driving him to church, that there was good reason for that. That he's not trying he he does he's not a celebrity pastor type
2: right very well known you know what i think makes this question a little difficult is that like it ants obviously saying this in a vacuum you know not knowing the specific needs of of a congregation or, or whatnot but it provides a solution for a not for for a need that has not been established And I think, and I think that's what makes this a a challenging topic to, to have a very clear, yeah, it's fine. Or no, it's not. Because if it's offered and there's no need, then is it vanity? Yeah. That's that's, right. That's great. Right. Is it like, Oh geez, that'd be safe. Some mileage on my car. Yeah. Why not? Let's uh, let's uh, go, go roll in the escalator or whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's providing a, pr- a solution for a problem that does not yet exist, at least from our point of view.
1: And that there's, there's a part of that question that alludes to this. I can't remember exactly how he phrased it, but you can. Uh, <clears throat> full disclosure, I attend a large church where it happens. I've struggled with the appearance of celebrity if people don't know that it is donated a donated service being offered by the member. So there's no quid pro quo, but he does talk about the appearance. And I think like I, I've experienced this. I've seen this is that things that are done behaviors that are employed that seem to at least hint at this kind of thing tend to perpetuate it. You know, like there was, <clears throat> a pastor that I was very familiar with who you know his church got really, really large but even before it got large, he started having bodyguards. He mm. started having uh, you know he would he would come in after the service started. he would exit the stage without talking to anybody because he just couldn't do that. Uh, you know the excuses were there's multiple services. he needs to just conserve his energy blah 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 which okay but this whole he's untouchable yeah. kind of atmosphere mm-hmm. it perpetuated this celebrity you know mentality he he almost made himself into a celebrity by appearing like he's a celebrity <laughs> right and and that that to me is where this could be dangerous and i think that you know again giving this church and this pastor the best possible spin you know if it if it meets a legitimate need And if it's done in humility and in full disclosure, then I think you could avoid it becoming something that would be dangerous and unhealthy for the church.
0: Yeah. And the, the whole untouchables kind of thing, it's, it really makes, it makes a church effectively two tiered. You have the leadership up at the top and then you have the peons, the, the transient Mm -hmm. replaceable, whoever shows up is going to show up kind of thing. Right. Right. Um, and and I, as we're thinking through this, I think back to when I did the Fight Laugh Feast conference several months mm-hmm. ago. Mm-hmm. There were no bodyguards, right? So I walked right up to the likes of Vody Bachum yep. and Jeff Durbin, etc. Shook their hands, said hi, whatever. And and you know there were times when they had to be certain places because they were scheduled to do things. And yes, they are skilled communicators and stuff like that. But the vibe that they were giving off was, yeah, I'm just one of you, right? Uh, maybe I've done a little more reading and writing and that kind of thing, and I have a platform. But in terms of being better than you, right, or <clears throat> more important, there there wasn't any of that kind of mentality going on, mm. uh, which I think is significantly healthier than. And it tends, I think, when you
1: posture yourself that way, it tends to minimize the very reasons why celebrities tend to isolate themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're, if you're, if you present yourself as untouchable, people are going to want to touch you. And then in some ways that could cross boundaries, maybe. Mm. Um, But if you, if you just present yourself as a regular person uh, who, yes, might have a large platform and audience, then I think it tends to minimize those, those those reasons why we might, I don't know, might try to justify some of these things mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, I think, uh, at least from an appearance standpoint, don't don't tend to represent Christ well. I don't yeah. think Jesus would be arriving to church in a stretch limo. Right. Now, I think if somebody offered him, if there was somebody who generously said, Lord, I would like to help your ministry by transporting you, then I think Jesus might, if there was a legitimate need, except, but he would, he, I, I would think he would do everything possible to ensure that it doesn't come across as though he's trying to write himself or paint himself in a light that, that wouldn't represent him. I mean, the guy was born in a stable, right? He was born to poor peasant people and,
2: Even in the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, he's rode in on a donkey. Rode in on a donkey. I mean, like someone rolls up in a Tahoe. Like, hey, do you have like a Civic or something? You know, (laughs) (laughs) you know. You
1: know. That's an interesting story because what does he tell the disciples? He sends in to prepare for him. He's like, go in there. You're going to find a donkey on which no one's ridden, and tell them, tell the owner, the Lord has need of it. The Lord has need of it. So Mm -hmm. here's your here's your donkey, right? And obviously there was something going on supernatural there that kind of paved the way for that and prophetic, but does this pastor have need of this? Does this really provide a service that's helpful to him?
2: I mean, it's, yeah, it comes down to discernment, right? Like I just thought of, I I just thought of a thing is like, you know, pastor, pastor's family, what if they have one car? Mm -hmm. Right. You know, pastor needs to get there early. And then this, this, this congregant comes up and is like, Hey, you know, I noticed that your family's here with you early and, you know, I don't know if that's planned or, or not, because I'm sure you need to get here early, but I would love to to pick you up in the mornings. I would love mm-hmm. to have one of my guys pick you up in the morning. They're already working. You know, they're already mm-hmm. on the clock. Um, I mean, man, what a blessing that would be, yeah. you know, it, to not have not have that burden of schedule and, and potentially the burden of consideration of another vehicle or something like that on, uh, on the pastor's mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, just approaching approaching the situation with discernment, but uh, I, I think there is also uh, that piece of you know there is a difference between you know an expedition and a stretch Hummer. Mm-hmm. You know there there is a difference there. Like I don't know, maybe maybe just g- the best guidance is if it doesn't park in the in the parking lot at church on Sunday on on the regular basis. You know, maybe maybe consider right consider against writing in it. <laughs> you know, like a Rolls Royce, you know, or something. Uh, <laughs> hey, I'd, I'd like to I'd like to take you to church. You know, every morning in my Dodge Hellcat. I'm like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. How about uh, I take my church myself to church every morning in your your Dodge Hellcat? That would be a better. <laughs> I mean, I, either way, like the the whole the whole
0: aspect of celebrity being kind of propped up makes makes me personally uncomfortable, right? Yeah. Like, like when I've had people come up to me at at Nam or other trade shows, and they're like, and they recognize me. Even that makes me uncomfortable, yeah. a little bit. And and Bradley, you've you've outright called me out for not taking compliments very well. So yeah. <laughs> so uh, may, maybe I'm totally the wrong person to ask with this in the first place, just yeah. because I'm so uncomfortable with all of that. I'm yeah. open to that, yeah. but.
1: Well, it's just, it, it's like anything, you know, we, you know, w- one of the things that we we could say uh, is helpful is that we have enough history with this celebrity pastor culture that we, I think we're aware of the potential dangers. I mean, yeah. if you take just what's happened in the last, you know, 20, 25 years, and then, you know, the recent Mars Hill podcast and other things like that, um, there, there's a lot of lessons we've learned. Yeah. And <clears throat> I think we, my, my advice to, uh, you know, the pastor of this church, if you were to ask my advice would just be, be careful with that. Just be careful with what yeah. that's doing in your soul, because this, the, the scripture that comes to mind is, you know, those who desire to be rich, right? They end up piercing themselves with many pangs. Like that, that's ultimately what this is rooted in, you know, fame, Mm -hmm. power, money, uh, all of that goes into one big pot and it's dangerously toxic for our souls if we're not careful. And so if this, if this is unnecessary, unhelpful luxury, you best be very, very careful with that. If it's meeting a legitimate need, I'm totally cool with it. Right. Um, that that would be my take
2: on it last words for you john check yourself before you wreck yourself let's go to the inquisition
0: and we come to the inquisition where you ask us questions via a weekly post in the Westminster effects Soxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook. And, you know, maybe it'll be the main topic. Maybe we'll ignore you. Or maybe we'll start with you like we do with Brian Morris, as is tradition every week. That was terrible. I'm sorry. That was pretty rough. That's, I was honest. pretty good. I, that's
1: the, don't beat yourself up.
0: Okay, fair enough. Uh, Brian asks... It appears that 2022 will be a season of pastoral burnout and discouragement.
2: Oh, I hate the word season.
0: Uh, (laughs) Me too. Jeez, Brian, get it together. Also, 2022 is an entire year, not a season. (coughs) There are four seasons in a year. (laughs) What are the best ways that Christians can love, support, and encourage their pastors? And we're going to assume... Other than sending them a limo.
2: Oh, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was like, well, shoot,
1: moving on. Um, Wait, for My first question is, why, why is it going to be a season of burnout? Why has why he determined that?
0: I don't know. He did. I not He never really got into that. It I, appears. Okay. Well, it, why? Uh, I think. I think <laughs> by what standard? By, by what standard? Just going <laughs> to go full face suppositional on it. Uh, I think you know maybe you could go into increased political division, which is nothing new. You could go into the <clears throat> increased action. It's not even the increased influence of the woke mob. They're de- decreasing in influence already. Mm. Uh, see see the Virginia gubernatorial election. Uh, There is the. uh, I don't know if you fellas have heard about uh, Bill C4 in Canada, uh, the anti quote unquote conversion therapy bill, which actually Mm -hmm. just outlaws Mm -hmm. conversion, uh, period, from homosexuality and the like. Um, I think maybe you can make a case for that.
2: But I mean, if. But well, he said he says burnout. So maybe it's just a culmination of the stresses of the last two years. Yeah, and, and I coming to fruition in, in, in this year. I mean, not only at the point where everybody has. I mean, honestly, I mean, Lincoln's the same way right now. We've returned to quote normalcy about three different times and then, you know, and then right back to, to, you know, masking and restrictions. And it seems like every day we get another email from the school with changed guidelines and, and things like this on how, like, like even, even as a parent, you know, playing the, playing that vocation card, uh, like there, there's a little bit of, of exhaustion there. Now. If you couple that with, you know, the uh, the assumed anxieties of one's congregation, uh, in the same t- at the same time, also trying to, you know, be uh, intentionally. Uh, I don't know, careful, uh, intentionally caring uh, for your congregation and the messaging that not only you're sending them, but your congregation is sending to the community. I mean, that's that is a lot of weight, right? I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just additive is, is, is what he's getting at.
0: Yeah, it, it could have to do with what, like you mentioned, being in, in Lincoln, Nebraska. We in South Carolina have not given a single crap about COVID in how long? Yeah. <laughs> it's It's been a minute. Uh, and there's no governmental restrictions at all going on, as far as I'm aware. Uh, if there are, they're so minimal that I I don't know about right. it. Uh, and, and Brian comes to us from the People's Republic of California.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <right. laughs> you know, the one thing I would say about this is I, I don't think that political... Tensions and, and societal uh, wars are, are reasons why pastors burn out. Um, it's, it 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 might that might be um, a catalyst of sorts, but I don't think it's ultimately the reason why. But I, I one thing I will say that I've personally experienced in COVID and in the last two years is what I call decision fatigue. Yeah, and fatigue mm. has multiple layers to it. And if the question is, how do you support your pastor, um, particularly in a place like California, is don't over scrutinize his decisions. You know, if if he if he makes a decision that's related to COVID and it affects you know how you're worshiping, how you're gathering, etc., and you don't agree with it, go with it. Okay. Like, like, generally speaking, I, I, you know, again, giving a, a pastor the, the benefit of the doubt, the pastor's trying to make the best possible decision to care for his church and his people uh, while also considering what the government, what regulations the government's laying down what kind of you know there are certain decisions that I could have made related to covid that would have split res right down the middle or you right. would have right because there are people on both sides of that fence and that weighs on you mm. i'm not afraid to make those kind of decisions um but at the same time it does weigh on me to realize that if i if i go this direction or that even cody could could come in my office and go that's a terrible decision and, and you, there's a fatigue that comes with that, mm-hmm. that I, I think could lead pastors to burn out. And so my encouragement would be pray for your pastors, uh, pray for your leadership as decisions are weighed and made, do your best to lay aside your preferences and your political opinions, and just go with it for the sake of unity uh obviously there are some decisions that could be made that deserve scrutiny i understand that but generally speaking if it if your pastor stands up and says we're in a we're in a wave and we need to wear masks and you think that's just an absolute colossal waste of energy and effort i might say go with it for a season there's that favorite word of john's again in order to just you know, support your pastor who's trying to make the best decision possible given mm-hmm. all the factors. That and, would be my encouragement. And
0: obviously yeah. setting aside anything <coughs> convictional, you know, right, like in terms of whether people can mandate things or whatever. Absolutely.
1: I'm just saying that there right. there, there are complexities that go into these kinds of things that that every decision could be scrutinized. Every decision yeah. could be dismantled and said that was unnecessary. That's doing absolutely no good. And it might just be that your pastor didn't struggle to know what to do.
0: And and I would say start if like if if there is a concern, start with asking clarifying questions. Exactly. Like like I've done that before where it's, you know, I didn't understand maybe something in a sermon like, where are you coming from with this? And yeah. by the time we're done talking, it's Oh, that is the exact opposite of what I thought you meant.
1: Or, or you might still disagree with me. Or that, yeah. And yet you have compassion for how I got there. Right. And I think in both cases, that's okay. Um, again, I, I'm not saying that there aren't times where decisions need to be scrutinized, certainly they do. But I, I just know, I know what I've felt in the last two years. And particularly when this whole thing started is there was just, there was, I think what it started in March of yep. 2020. And then we were trying to figure out what to do and how to do it uh, for the next several months. And I was just, I didn't, I didn't want my wife to ask me what I wanted for dinner.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> don't, don't just put something out there. I'm, I'm, I am done making decisions.
0: Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> but then you got that sabbatical. That's right. (laughs) So that was so helpful. So maybe take a sabbatical, tell your pastor to take a sabbatical.
2: Hey, just get out, (laughs) get out of there. You're tired. Get out.
1: (laughs) And I, and I would say this too. I've talked to multiple pastors about the whole decision fatigue thing. And as soon as I say that they go, yes, absolutely. I felt that I experienced that. And so
0: but at, at the same time, I would say, you know, as, as Rez becomes more and more ingrained in the reformed vein of trusting in God's sovereignty, of understanding that Jesus is on the throne, there is significant, it's, it's almost like a relaxation. It's not. I've definitely seen that in our church. It's not relaxing uh, the standards. Uh, for instance, we're still showing up prepared for music stuff. <laughs> Yeah, but if something goes wrong, if I drop your iPad onto a symbol when I'm moving the table, <laughs> hilarious, hilarious! <laughs> in John. the middle of a prayer.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I need to watch your live stream way more it, than it I was do. Awesome! Uh, it
0: was so awesome! Or, or or whatever. It's just like eh, okay, cool. Yeah. yeah, I you know, and I I
1: we this is a whole nother can of worms, but uh, you know, we've seen the more we laud the sovereignty of God. There is a restfulness in the church about yep. all things. I mean, even down to a young couple that had a miscarriage recently, and to hear the things that were coming out of their mouth. Oh yeah, in the wake of that, about the sovereignty of God and the goodness of God in all things, even as they were crying and grieving. Yep, was really sweet to see, and I think you're right. I think you you can, as reformed people, which I think the majority of people in the podcast lounge are. We can rest in the sovereignty of God even when our, our leaders are struggling to make the best decisions in the wake of something that's unprecedented like COVID. So that that's the best I got for that. Here, yeah,
0: here. Here, here. Clay Toynass, asks. He hasn't shared this with many people, but he finally broke down and started learning guitar a couple months back at the age of forty-eight. Good for you. There we go. Yeah. Uh, He obviously, it's a slow go, uh, but he said he's getting close to uh, wanting to introduce a pedal or two. You've come to the right place. Um, But he says his music taste runs the gamut, but his heart is in 70s and 80s punk uh, with all things metal being a close second. Hmm. I'm not going to complain about that. My goodness. Yeah. He said he also wants to play along with some of his dad's jazz records, Hmm. and he has no idea where to start. What say you? Goodness, okay. Go guitar guys. Yeah, Brad, you don't have any input on this, Bradley.
2: <coughs> hmm. Well, assuming the basses are taken care of, you got you got a guitar, you got an amp, and get some drive from the amp. Yep. I mean, he has a Marshall
0: MG series combo. If you recall those, I I do.
2: Yep. Let's work good on that. Yeah. Mean, it's a good I mean, beginner amp. But I mean yeah. like I I don't know. I my my early take on the on the, the MG Marshalls were were not as favorable as as some. But then again, I was an acoustic player at that time. And so, you know, that just that that sheer amount of gain was not something that I had learned to wield. Yet. Yeah. Um I don't know. Uh,
0: I would say just for the jazz stuff, I mean, that's clean tone on a neck pickup anyway.
1: Right. Is he asking from a tone standpoint or a skill standpoint how to play that stuff?
2: No, he's asking. He, he says, he, I, "I think he, he wants to know, like, just what what sort of pedals would be would work oh, within you. these genres that would be fun <laughs> to play with." Yeah. Um, I don't know tuner, obviously. Um, please, but yes, please <laughs> tuner. Um, I mean, I'll let I'll let you go the uh, you know the high the high gain stuff, um, but. I would honestly do something like a nice analog delay, uh, or analog voiced delay. Um, I, I know someone, I know someone who makes one of those. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, because there, there would be some parts in in metal or, or early punk that could make advantage of it, but what it will do is it'll give you the option to, uh, you know, to set the delay time kind of short, Um, set the, set the feedback just a little longer, but the level kind of low and just kind of widen the sound a little bit, just make it a bit bigger. Um, -hmm. almost like a talent control a little bit. And, uh, the jazz you're saying for the for the jazz or uh, even in in some parts of the of the higher gain stuff like you know in in modern praise and worship you know we we so often talk about using delay as you know like like edge used it as an actual musical effect right It's like it adds mo it adds like physical motion and melodic components to uh to a part uh, but delay can also be used just as a much cleaner way uh, to get some 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 thickness to your sound very much in a way a reverb would, but it doesn't get in the way quite as much.
1: Hmm. Well, you know, like <clears throat> I've, I've heard jazz guitar players, amateurs that, that it just, I'm a piano player and it sounds like they're just holding down the sustain pedal too much. Whereas jazz has got so many notes, right? Mm-hmm. Like it needs to be clean. And when, when a, a, a great jazz pianist hardly uses the pedal, Right. It's just right. they're so accurate and they're so fast and it's so clean. And that like I don't I don't know how that translates to the guitar in terms of delay reverb and whatnot, but that that's what I love about jazz guitar is when it's so clean and tight. Oh yeah. Right.
2: Right. And, and, you know, w- the the type of instrument that you'd use for that would be, would be traditionally a hollow body or at the very least a semi-hollow. Right. Now, that's not like you could play it on anything. It's a style, not a tonality. But... Even with the nature of a hollow body guitar or an archtop, I mean, you get some extra resonance. I mean, you, you, your your decay times on your notes are just naturally longer because the body resonates more. Now, if you're playing like a solid body, like a like a Strat or an LP or or something like that, I mean, you're not going to have as much of that. And so, if you're playing these very clean, um, intricate pieces, um, having something that would that would widen that sound to give a little bit of ambience without getting in the way uh, could be helpful helpful
0: yeah that's that's a really good call i would say you know for the punk or uh metal maybe look at something along the lines of the osteen distortion you know three band eq you can kind of set it up exactly how you want um and so for the for the punk you can make it you know a little grosser and then for the for the metal you, you bump the mids up a little bit cut the bass and and you've got a Nice tight metal sound, mm-hmm. and, and I'm assuming he says all things metal. I'm assuming he means like Metallica, Slayer, plus Iron Maiden, plus uh, like as they lay dying. Like I'm just gonna assume. I don't, I don't know. Remember. Do you still make the Nox? I do. Uh, I'm I'm working on overhauling it to a version three. Bring back the way. eyes, baby. I don't know if I can do that, but <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, maybe
2: maybe. It's a cool that me. was the coolest part. I still I you know like. I, I don't regret much anymore, but I regret parting ways with my Knox V one. That was before you we should. started the. I, that, that's before we started this whole shebang, and yeah, I I regret that. So bless it, bless it.
0: Yeah. Uh, last question from Justin Doherty. Uh, he says, is it necessary for staff pastors to have defined lanes of ministry, such as kids, small groups, teaching, youth? Facilities, executive, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Facilities. I have seen such a thing. I added that part. Uh, okay. Or is it more biblical to have pastors that can do many things, serving where needed? And so I've I've actually seen this as a critique from certain parties of Yeah, y'all have a youth pastor that didn't exist until like five minutes ago, and I'm I'm sensitive to that. You know, being a church history dork. Uh, but at the same time, I don't think it's I don't, I don't think that's an evil thing.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, but at the same time, you know, I don't think, uh, I don't think a church plant needs, uh, needs like, uh, you know, family ministry pastor and needs a children's pastor and needs a, you know, a palliative care pastor and a pastor for reconciliation, you know, I don't think they need like the whole gamut, uh, you know, in like a small church plant. But as you get larger, right, being a, what we call in the IT field, being a generalist is rarely as effective as being a specialist, right? And so, like if you're in, I'm just carrying along with that analogy, if you're in a large company and you are the senior most Uh, kind of IT professional there. Is it really worth your time to be both jumping between help desk tickets and helping people reset their password while at the same time building a next generation infrastructure for backup of like your live website and all that? Like, Like those two things are so disparate from one another. And sure, you can be good at both of them, but like to really be effective... At scale, you kind of need to kind of funnel into those those specialties. Now, the the use of the word pastor, the title pastor, in that, I mean, well, that just honestly, that kind of depends on on your uh, church polity a little bit. Um, you know, with, I mean, certainly we have. Uh, I mean, you can be a pastor of blank in in LCMS tradition, uh, but. I mean, even if it's not a an ordained called position, I mean, a, a director or a coordinator or something um, that can focus on those specific areas of ministry, I think is is helpful. Yeah, I I think we got to get words
1: right. I think we need yep. to like that. That this is my take on this, um, and it's it's a transition we made at Res fairly recently. Is that we took away. The title pastor from staff positions uh, that are specialty, um, and we gave the term minister, mm-hmm. which is in the Bible and and is synonymous with the word deacon or servant, someone who's serving in a certain capacity, uh, because the word pastor in scripture, um, it to me it's almost synonymous with elder. Like, mm-hmm. I, th- I think there are, there, there's enough correlation there to say that pastors, biblically speaking, if we're going to endeavor to be as biblical as possible, mm-hmm. are people who are devoted to the ministry of the word and the ministry of prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, ergo, Acts chapter 6, verse 4, uh, the apostles said, we cannot neglect those things in order to serve tables. It's not that serving tables was beneath them. But they realized they didn't have the human capacity to be able to uh, devote themselves to the ministry of prayer and the ministry of the word and also serve tables and and make sure that the food gets distributed. So, we need to appoint people to that position. And those people were deacons, ministers, Mm. servants. So. Stephen is our worship minister, not worship pastor, because mm-hmm. he's not an elder. Mm-hmm. Ethan is our student and connections minister, not pastor, because he's not an elder. Mandy, who's a female, is our children's minister
0: and definitely not an elder. And not an elder, right? <laughs> right. So it's
1: it's not a pastor in the church. And so now if one day Ethan or Stephen becomes an elder, and continues to specialize in mm-hmm. a particular part, then we would give them the title pastor uh, because they're they're serving in both capacities, right. right? And so I think that I think that we need to preserve the title pastor and not just hand it out, you know, to the the, the pastor of janitorial services. I I just <laughs> I just don't think that I don't think that's helpful, yeah, in terms of our church thinking well about. Uh, the roles, the different leadership roles that exist within the church. and i want I want to distinguish the elders, not for the sake of, you know, putting them on a pedestal, but I do want to distinguish the elders from other positions of leadership in the church because I do think that's important in, in the same way that I would want to distinguish the role of minister or deacon or trustee mm-hmm. and, right. and clear what those leadership positions are for.
2: You know, in, in my world, you know, obviously yeah. we're, uh, you know, we're synodical. So, we have, you know, very large uh, kind of overarching organization and constitution that kind of defines some of these things. And so, you know, we've never really had an issue with the word pastor being thrown around because the word use the word pastor, you, you really you <laughs> have to have the word reverend in front of your name. I mean, right. you have to, you have to be either you have to go through some sort of curriculum. Now we have some some various ways to do that, but in general, it's seminary studies. We do have a program called Specific Ministry Pastor, which combines uh, some uh, kind of senior level seminary studies for people who are already in a career serving in a church in a specific area of ministry, uh, who can then kind of colloquize to a, uh, uh, to a a called or an ordained position. Um, Well, at the same time, you know, we have other um, sort of commissioned called positions uh, like director of Christian education, director of parish music um, that are, uh, that are kind of backed by uh, by a, a certain curriculum plan or or degree or certificate program or something like that, um, and and so so yeah, I mean I I do think that reserving that title of of pastor is is valuable and and not like you said Bradley not not for a sense of putting them on a pedestal and saying look this is the pastor <laughs> but realistically. I mean, especially in, in you know the the Lutheran tradition, there are parts of uh, there are parts of the divine service where when the pastor announces the forgiveness of sins, does so in the stead and by the command of Christ, and so that is the role in in a corporate setting of the pastor, and so setting that title aside doesn't put the individual on a pedestal, it puts the office, uh, you know, in some sort of elevated perspective. Um, okay. So, Bradley just
0: grabbed a binder full of papers, and I don't know what's going on. Well,
1: there was a quote that I wanted to share. Um, it, in context, it, the elders at Res are are going through a, a 26-week training uh, that's specifically for elders, and it's it's called Act 64. Which is based on Acts six four. Mm-hmm. So there's a semester, thirteen weeks on the ministry of the word that we just finished, and now we last night we just started the second semester on the ministry of prayer, mm-hmm. and we we're 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 trying to drill down on the sp- the specific role of elder, pastor, teacher, um, in light of Acts six four, <clears throat> and there's a quote uh, from Peter Marshall, who's a former chaplain to the United States Senate that I thought it was applicable here. It says the use of the right word, the exact word is the difference between a pencil with a sharp point and a thick crayon, which I thought that's, that's right. Right. Like if you, Mm -hmm. if we're going to have the term pastor, if we're going to use the term pastor, um, I think we ought to use it in the right way. And I'm not saying that handing it out to certain staff positions based on your tradition I'm not I'm not trying to you know leverage what res has done on every church context, but I would say be careful to not just throw the word pastor around to every position, which I I I know many, many churches that do this. You know, everybody that comes on staff gets the title pastor. Right. The pastor's wife gets the title pastor, which mm-hmm. has other issues I realize. But it, it, what I'm talking about is, is specifically throwing that word around and applying it to everything when right. it doesn't, biblically speaking, apply to everything. Uh, and I, I want to be a sharp pencil biblically, not a thick crayon.
0: <laughs> yep. Good t-shirts made with that. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> uh, well, that tap, I think we're all tapped out there. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks for listening to the Doxology Podcast. Go love God love your neighbor go make music we'll see you next week